Anything you want to, do it. Want to change the world? <laughs> There's nothing to it. Like I said, you might recognize those words from the song from the movie Willy Wonka, Pure Imagination is the name of the song. And that was written by, um, the song was written by Anthony Newley and Leslie Brickus. However, Neville Goddard, who we, should, we shall talk a lot about in this month of harvesting. Neville Goddard could have written that lyric. I'll tell you a little bit about this gentleman, Neville Lancelot Goddard. <laughs> he was born in Barbados, uh, February 1905, and he died in West Hollywood, California in 1972. He's generally known as Neville, and um, when he was 15, he moved to New York from Barbados, where for at least 10 years he was a dancer in Broadway shows and vaudeville and nightclubs and toured a little bit in Europe as a dancer. In 1931, he began to study under an Ethiopian rabbi named Abdullah, who introduced him to the Kabbalah both in the mystical sense of the Kabbalah, the spiritual sense, as well as the religious sense of Judaism. Neville was also influenced by the poet William Blake. Now, William Blake was a big influence on a lot of people, Walt Whitman, his fellow poets, uh, William Butler Yeats, Allen Ginsberg, E.E. E. Cummings, Pablo Neruda was a big William Blake fan. Also, if you look deeply, you'll find it. Bob Dylan, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Jim Morrison, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Patti Smith, Chris Christopherson, Joan Baez, Joni Mitchell, Bruce Spring, Springsteen, Bono. Both, all of these people have talked about being influenced as well as Neville was by the poet William Blake. Oh, and also a guy named Ernest Holmes was a big fan of William Blake. Neville was also influenced, other than by Abdullah and uh, William Blake, by the psychologist, psychologist uh, Emil Kue, who was the author of the book Self-Mastery Through Auto-Suggestion. Neville himself wrote nine books, I believe, and you can find his lectures and read recordings all over on the internet, if you'd like to hear him. This guy was a mystic who used the Bible more as a teacher, as a teaching, as a uh, something to teach from versus a history. He didn't believe in it as a history. And he's also considered one of the pioneers of the laws of assumption, the laws of attract and attraction, the law of manifestation. Um, he really pushed those forward. 
especially the law of assumption, which he referred to a lot. When anyone talks to you, including me, about using imagination and feeling as the bridge from the physical act, meaning meditation, any spiritual practice, affirmative prayer, uh, visualization, any of that, the physical act, speaking your word into the universe, to the metaphysical act. That is the bridge in manifesting this use of imagination and feeling. If you use any of that, you're getting this through either Neville or lovers, lovers of Neville, such as Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer was a big Neville fan. Uh, Joseph Murphy, Carlos Castaneda, and uh, Rhonda Byrne, who of, of The Secret. She was a big Neville fan. So you're probably getting it at least from one of these people, if not from me and others. In fact, Neville tells a story about how the power of using imagination and feeling was taught to him. See, he was eager to go to Barbados to visit family, but he didn't have the money. He was an artist, you know, he, his money was from gig to gig. And his teacher, Abdullah, told him, live as though you are there and that you shall be. So wandering the streets of New York City, Neville thought from his aim, as he would later urge his listeners to do, thought from his aim. And he adopted the feeling that he was really and truly at home on his native island. Neville once wrote, Abdullah taught me the importance of remaining faithful to an idea and not compromising. I wavered, Neville said, but he remained faithful to the assumption that I was in Barbados and had traveled first class. Yeah. And on a December morning before the last ship was to depart New York that year for Barbados, Neville received a letter from a long out of touch brother and in it was $50 and a ticket to sail. His experiment, it seemed, had worked. Neville discovered what eventually became the hallmark of his philosophy. It's interesting, I, I read a little bit about when he really started um, pushing this idea, uh, or teaching this idea of... Um, imagination and feeling, some of his followers, some of the people who came to his classes and his lectures, um, kind of were missing the whole Bible stuff. But this idea also came out of the Bible. He discovered that it was imperative to assume the feeling that one's goal has already been attained. It's not what you want that you attract, he wrote. You attract what you believe to be true. Imagination, my friends, is essential in the art of manifestation. Dr. Gene Houston, one of our most visionary thinkers and doers of our time in the human potential field, 
recalls the story of her childhood. And she said, back when I was eight years old, I was attending a school in Manhattan where they felt it was a good idea for students to meet some of the great elders of the time. And fortunately for her, one of the elders that she met was Albert Einstein. And one day they trotted across the river over to Princeton University to his house there. And she remembers that he had a lot of hair and was very sweet. But one of her smart aleck uh, classmates said to him, uh, Mr. Einstein, how can we get to be as smart as you? And he said, read fairy tales. All the kids looked at each other and it made no, no sense to us. What do you mean read fairy tales? How does that make you smart? So then another smart alecky kid said, Mr. Einstein, how can we get to be smarter than you? And he said, read more fairy tales. Imagination, my friends, is essential in the art of manifestation. Now, some say that imagination is a childish act. In fact, you can find in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, that may or may not be true for you, but either way, we must never, ever put away childlike things. For as Mr. Einstein also wrote, imagination is more important than knowledge. Albert Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited. Whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. And I would say embraces the entire universe not just the world. Now, some may decry this imagination idea with um, with something like, hey, I deal with facts. You know, I deal with facts, not fantasy, delusion, or hallucination. Well, imagination may not be a fact, as most people would define that word, but it is a precursor to one. In fact, Professor Finlay Morrison of the School of Chemistry at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland wrote this. Life itself is an activity of imagining. The world originates in a divine activity identical with what we know ourselves as the activity of imagination. The task being to open the immortal eyes of man inward into the worlds of thought, into eternity, ever expanding in the bosom of God, the human imagination. Reality is not stable or immutable. It is an endless becoming. And only by imaginatively projecting yourself into that flux, giving yourself up to it, could you ever discover what it really is. Imagination, it's not something we see in our present circumstance out there, though that may be an influence. It's something found 
in our upcoming circumstance, that which comes from within. Imagination, it's reflective like contemplation. It's a spiritual practice like prayer or meditation. Imagination is about visualizing the end result and how you feel about it. Envisioning is the best word, envisioning the experience in all ways, except, of course, how you get there. That's the universe's job. My friends, imagination is essential in the art of manifestation. Now, you may say, hey, well, I'm a left brain person. Logical, analytical, objective intelligence is my game. But remember, research was found in the early mid-2000s that the idea of this left-right brain dominant stuff is false. In fact, Christopher Berglund in Psychology Today wrote, researchers measured the participants' brain activity with functional MRI and found a cortical and subcortical network over a large part of the brain was responsible for their imagery manipulations. The network closely resembles the mental workshop that scholars have theorized might be responsible for much of human conscious experience and for the flexible cognitive abilities that humans have evolved over millennia. Imagination, my friends, is essential in the art of manifestation, in the art of discovery, in the art of bringing forth into life new ideas. I know it pushes you, it pushes me sometimes to unlearn what you've been told, to ask different questions so that you can receive new and better answers and grow beyond who you thought you were. It's that solution mechanism in crisis management, experimentation and hypothesizing idea but we can use that through our imagination and the feelings behind the experience we are imagining to bring forth into our experience that which we are imagining. Now, others may say, it's bad enough I have to dream other than waste time daydreaming. But remember what Shakespeare wrote in The Tempest, we are such stuff as dreams are made on. Carl Jung emphasized the importance of dreams to the unconscious mind. In fact, the sewing machine, the songs yesterday and satisfaction, the theory of relativity, Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein, the scientific method created by Rene Descartes, the double helix structure of DNA, all of those were imagined in a dream state before they were made into a reality. Now, I'm not asking you to dream or just dream or just daydream, though that, that, that's a first step imaginative practice. I'm asking you to use your creativity I want to quote the osological mystic judge Thomas Troward here. 
He wrote, now what we require to see is the creative process has only one way of working, and that is by reciprocity or reflection, or as we might say, by the law of reaction and action. The action always being equivalent and correspondent to the action which generated it. The action is imagination. The action is holding on and being with and experiencing the feeling of that imaginative state. The action comes in a full-on state of mind. We take a deep dive into infinite possibilities, envisioning our next adventure right here and right now. Imagination is the icing on the cake of demonstration. It is the language of the eureka or aha moment. Our brain, my friends, is a dynamic workplace. All three pounds, 100 billion neurons, and 100 trillion connections of it. And we use the physical nature of this organ to reach into our consciousness which then taps into the metaphysical nature of the universe. And in that connection, in that transformation, in that transcendence, the law of correspondence, the law of attraction, the law of cause and effect, reads, knows what exactly what it needs to bring forth into your life. It'll figure out the how. Neurobiology tells us about several ways to inspire our imagination, and I just have a few right here today. One, of course, is exercise. Exercise in all ways, your body, your mind. Ralph Waldo Emerson said of Thoreau, the length of his walk uniformly made the length of his writing. If shut up in the house, he did not write at all. Henry Miller was an avid endurance cyclist, and he wrote, most writing is done away from the typewriter, away from the desk. I'd say it occurs in the quiet, silent moments while you're walking or shaving or playing a game or whatever. You're working. Your mind is working on this problem in the back of your head. So when you get back to the machine, it's a mere matter of transfer. It's imagination working. I'm imagining. These words, these ideas, these scenes. Joyce Carol Oates, who's a devoted runner, wrote, running seems to allow me ideally an expanded consciousness in which I can envision what I'm writing as a film or a dream. I rarely invent at the typewriter, but recall what I've experienced. You don't have to be in the creative world to do this as far as a writer or a or a performer or any of that you are in the creative world because that's how the universe knows what it is you want because it is what you believe you have decided to have that the universe then can manifest it do whatever it needs to do to manifest it into your life Number two, learn to relax and give yourself permission to imagine. I get it. We lose the habit of imagining. But some of the most notable people in the world, such as 
the previously spoke of Albert Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton, many, 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 all, all these other singers and performers, they came up with their best ideas when they weren't actively trying to think of them. When they just allowed their mind to wander as well as wonder, W-A as well as W-O. Imagination is the key. Number three, challenge perception. Visual perception is 80% memory and 20% input from your eyes. Look without your eyes and see with your other senses. Christopher Berger, who was the lead author of a study at Sweden's Karolinska Institute, published in the scientific journal Current Biology, he wrote this. What this study shows is that our imagination of a sound or a shape changes how we perceive the world around us in the same way actually hearing that sound or seeing that shape does. And as an aside, remember, your brain doesn't know the difference between what you are imagining and what you are truly seeing. It will react in a similar way. Continuing with the good doctor here, specifically we found that we imagine hearing, we found that what we imagine hearing can change what we actually see and what we imagine seeing can change what we actually hear. Number four, voice it, sing, share, tell a story, read a fairy tale out loud and listen, voice is connected to emotion and emotion is connected to the imagination and all are connected to the power of manifestation. That's why when I talk about the affirmative incantations I write every week, I tell you to say it out loud. Don't just say it in your head. Say it out loud. Connect. And if you'd like, write it as you are saying it. That's a connection that is very intense and very deep. Here's a great game to play to get into imagination. It's called the telephone conversation game. And so you want to get in a relaxed frame of mind and you want to fondly imagine that you've received a phone call from a certain person. You can pick someone who you wouldn't mind terribly whether or not they called you. And using your mind's ears, hear them over the phone, hear their voice, their laugh. You know how this person sounds. But feel the sensation as the voice hits your ears from the phone or your phone's earpiece or... And with your mind's fingers, feel the weight. Feel the weight of that phone in your hand. It doesn't weigh a whole lot probably, but feel it. Hold it against your head like this. Be a part of it. Be in the experience. If you're using an earpiece of some kind instead, just feel the sensation of the piece in your ear. And let that voice Fill your head and feel in your head. And with your mind's voice, respond to this person. Do this for about a minute. Just have a nice little conversation with somebody you'd like to talk to that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. And enjoy that conversation how you would like it to be. Imagine it. Just for a minute or so. Then let it go. Go about your day. That will start you down the path of imagination.
and imagination is a key part of manifestation. Neville wrote, in fact, imagination is spiritual sensation. Enter the image of the wish fulfilled that give it sensory vividness and tones of reality by mentally acting as you would act were it a physical fact. Change a perspective. Remember what I say? Change a perspective or your perception, you change your life. Imagine it. Imagine being in that situation. Life, like Leif Erikson, whose day is today, it's Leif Erikson Day. Happy Leif Erikson Day. He's probably the first, if not one of the first people to come to the area now known as North America, way before anybody else, as the Vikings did. Imagination like exploration is important. Imagination is exploration. It takes a little bit of sacrifice, it takes responsibility, it takes nurturing, it takes devotion to have imagination as it does when you explore the world. Embracing the wisdom of raising your happiness to manifesting your future. That happens in both imagination and exploring the world. Sacrificing old ideas to devote ourselves to a journey of thoughts and feelings and beliefs that transform prosperous ideas into our experience, that happens both in imagination and exploring the world. You have to sacrifice the old ideas that you can't get there. And for us now, it's someplace like Mars or another planet. We have to expand our imagination to figure out the ways to get there. Last week, um, many people celebrated the uh, life of St. Francis of Assisi. And he said, while you are proclaiming peace with your lips, be careful to have it even more fully in your heart. Have it fully in your heart. Imagination is a heart-centered activity as well. Imagination frees you from the bondage of that obnoxious, loud shadow voice called lack, limitation, disease, and not enoughness. That's old voices. That's old stories. Tell it a new thing. Imagine a new way. That is the way you get there. But as St. Francis also reminds us, a single sunbeam is enough to drive away many shadows. And that single sunbeam is your imagination. That's how you start. In affirmative prayer, you're using your imagination to speak your word, to reveal and declare what it is you have decided to have in your life. Imagination is that single sunbeam there for you to play with, transcend, make believe, into do believe. You transcend, make believe, into do believe. And it's there, imagination, it's there to give birth to the evolution, the revolution, the resolution, and the distribution of your greatest life, whatever you have decided that is. Also today, we are celebrating the uh, seven-day uh, feast festival called Sukkot or Sukkot. It's a Jewish festival. The holiday commemorates the 40 years the Hebrews spent in the desert on their way to the promised land. 
after escaping the slavery in Egypt. And it's also the celebration of the fall harvest and the idea that if you have faith, blessings will appear. And if you don't have faith right now, use your imagination and the feeling that you would have in the experience to bring forth that faith, to increase that faith, to transform and transcend what it is you are believing now into the faith of knowing that you are having the experience you've decided to declare right now. Sukkot is a holiday of feast. So feast upon your decisions, feast upon your declarations, feast upon the revelation of the divine creative powers within you right now. And you can reveal your next experience by imagining and feeling it right here. Right here. You don't have to go anywhere special. Feast upon the image, vision, and feeling of having that experience right now. Plant the seed and make the call. The universe is waiting. The law is listening. Have a feast and watch the miracles appear. Thank you so much. Namaste.